Thank you for listening in today to our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we will be continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. She explains it in these following verses, and here is her argument. Place this iniquity on me. Why? Well, here's her argument. Please not let my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name. Folly is with him, but I sent your maidservant, I'm sorry, but I, your maidservant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. You know the argument she just gives? This is my fault, because my husband is a moron, and he does not play well with others, and I know that. And so I need to make sure he doesn't interact with people outside of our home right here. And I missed your men when they came. That's the argument. My fault, husband, idiot. Should have seen your men coming, and then I could have talked with them, and I could have done the right thing. That's her argument. My fault. He's a fool. I didn't see the men coming. That's her argument. That's her argument. Now, I love this. She goes on and says, Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed, he says, and she says, And from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as navel. She uses the word Lord quite a bit here. The word Lord here is Adonai. It means ruler or master is what it means. It's a word that a wife would use for her husband in that day and age. Abigail was showing her true loyalty to a man deserving of its title. One might say this was prophetic because 10 days later, her husband's going to die and David is going to come and propose to Abigail and she's going to accept it and will be then she'll actually be able to use this term the way it's supposed to be for a true husband. And just as David is a type of the Lord Jesus who is going to be our true husband as we are the bride of Christ, remember Abigail means joy or the Father's joy. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God and you are the Father's joy. You are. Abigail could see that her petition is working. So she smoothly kind of suggests the positive outcome to David in her appeal. Since the Lord has held you back, from coming to bloodshed, from avenging yourself with your own hand. She could kind of see how it's going. He's probably blown away. He's letting her speak. He could, she could see that the words are being received. We all know what that's like. You, you've all talked to people before, and you know if the words are being received or not. I guarantee you David was not sitting here like this the whole time as she was speaking, with his arms crossed. I'm sure he's just like hanging on her every word, amazed that this woman has come out to meet him and saying the words that she's saying and he recognizes this is of the Lord and she even uh, puts the Lord here has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. She, she states it in such a way as it almost guides David towards her suggested outcome. Verse 27, now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battle of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your 
days. Again, invokes my fault. Please forgive me, your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And by saying that, it's kind of a jarring him going, is this a battle of the Lord? Or is this a battle of your flesh? Because you only fight the battles of the Lord, right? That's what she's putting in front of him right here. And evil's not found in you after your days. When we know your history up to this point, David, and man, evil has not been a part of what you've done before. And again, saying, but if you do this, then evil has come into what it is that you're doing here throughout your days. Verse 29, yet a man has risen to pursue you. Seek your life, but the Lord of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lies of your enemies he shall sling out as from a pocket of a sling. Meaning she knows that Saul is pursuing David. That's the, the person that's uh, pursuing him. Yet she says God has, uh, has you close to him. She's basically saying, David, you're like a bundle that the Lord holds closely to himself and securely to himself, and your enemies are like rocks that the Lord is going to just sling away. And they're not going to be able to touch you. They're not going to be able to touch you. Verse 30, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offensive heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself, but when the Lord has dealt with well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Interesting. Very interesting here. She's speaking prophecy here. She's speaking very boldly. And she's saying, when the Lord, meaning Jehovah, God, has done for my Lord, meaning Adonai, Master, according to all the good that was, has been spoken concerning you, has appointed you ruler over Israel, so she knows He's supposed to be the next king, even though he's not in the line with Saul. Word has gotten out that Samuel has anointed him. Word has gotten out from the last time that Saul has said in front of all his men, you are surely going to be the next king of Israel. Word has gotten out that David is to be the next king. And even Abigail knows it. And she reminds him of this. You're going to be the next king. You're going to be the next king. You're going to be the next king. And understand this. You don't want to have any grief in that. You don't want any offense of heart at all. You don't want to shed blood without cause. You don't want to avenge your own hand. You do not want to ascend the throne of Israel through scandal. That's what she's saying. I know you don't want to ascend the throne through bloodshed, shedding innocent blood, through bloodlust, to have this scandal about you as you're ascending the throne. But she says something, I think, very, very interesting here. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. I find this kind of interesting here because it's kind of saying here that after God deals with my husband Nabal, remember me. Almost as if to say, I'll be single. <laughs> and Michael, David's wife, had been taken from him, as we'll find out at the end of this, the very last verse here. So Michael isn't with him, and so he doesn't have a wife. 
He doesn't have a wife. Abigail emphasizes David's glorious calling and destiny and the general integrity of his life. And he simply is asking him, consider the present course of action that you're doing right now. Is it consistent with the Lord's calling in your life? Is this kingly behavior? What a great question to ask. Isn't that a great question for us to ask in our own lives? Is the present course that you're on right now consistent to what God has called you to do in your life through obeying him and being a light and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that a great question to ask? That you're just kind of in a mood today or tomorrow or sometime this week. You're angry or whatever. You need to ask yourself, is this consistent with the calling that God has called me to be in order to be a light and a witness to my husband, to my wife, to my kids, to my neighbors, the people I work with? In the way I'm behaving right now, is that consistent with the calling that God has put in my life? And if the answer is no, we need to go to God and just say, I'm sorry. I know the way I'm feeling right now, the way I'm angry, the way I'm this, the way I'm that is not consistent with what you called me to do. Much like David. Is that behavior consistent with the integrity that God's called you to be? Wow. She is one wise lady. And God has just put this on her heart and it is so awesome. And, and, and we need to ask ourselves in life, is this present course that I'm on consistent with the calling that God's put on, her, on my life? Is working here in this environment what God wants me to do? Is this it? Is this consistent? Is this course that I'm on, the direction I'm going, is this consistent with the calling that God has put on every believer's life? And it's a great question to ask yourself. And then it says in verse 32, that David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. He doesn't say, bless you for meeting me. He says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. He understands that it was God that used her, that is speaking through her. Oh, believe me, she's a blessed vessel. Believe me, she's wise in in hearing from the Lord and giving the Lord's counsel, but it's still the Lord. And so he goes on, David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed, from avenging myself with my own hand, which is not the course that God has for me, is what he's saying. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning, no males would have been left to Nabal. Wow. He understands the horror in his own heart. He understands the horror that he was about to do. I would have killed everybody, he said. Here's a man that's not playing around with who he really thinks he is. Here's a man who knows, oh, I would have done it. I know I could have done it. I know I'm capable of doing it. And I know I would have done it. I would have done it. He's horrified with it. But even David owns up to it. I'm capable of doing that. I'm capable of doing that. And so he sees the wisdom of the Lord and how God has sent Abigail to him to meet him. 
keep him from avenging himself and having blood on his hand. So David, verse 35, so David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. I've listened to you. I have not brought any harm to you at all. David sees her advice is from the Lord, receives it. He receives it. I believe that if you ask me, it has everything to do with how she approached David that he received this message. If she had stopped and said, don't you go any further. This is not of God. And started to approach him that way. I don't think she would have gotten many more words out before he went and continued on his way. Why do I say that? Because I'm a guy and uh, I understand how we respond to things. And I understand that when she comes and she bows down before him, when she comes and sends gifts and bow down before him, asks permission to speak and calls him Lord and shows him respect and things like that, and, he, and he's able to see the, the, gentle, uh, the gentleness and the meekness of her spirit, that ministers to him because that's what ministers to men. And God's word tells us that. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 1 it says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that's Nabal, the fool, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, meaning fear of the Lord, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing the gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it, be, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I'm here to tell you something else that's very precious in the sight of men. When my father-in-law asked me, he says, why do you want to marry my daughter? I said, because she's hot. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm much wiser. I don't, that's the inside voice. But I told her, I told him, I said, it's her meek and gentle spirit. And it's true. If you know my wife, she has a very meek and gentle spirit. And all I have to be is just be around the house, being in my own thing, being a complete butthead. And as she is just continuing to love me and be nice to me, that breaks me. And she doesn't have to do it whether she's doing it on purpose or not. That's the way she is. And, and when that happens, the Lord just speaks loud and clear. We're not going any further, preacher boy, <laughs> until you see what's going on here. And it's so true. And it's so true. And that's what speaks to us, is that because we are before God, God speaks to us, and he tells us, even as you go in verse 8, that our prayers are hindered if things aren't right between my wife and I. Meek and gentle spirit go a long way way. In verse 5, it says, for in the manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God, this is what holy women who trust in God did, also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord. How often did Abigail say to David, Lord, 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 whose daughters you are if you are good and not afraid with any terror. You know what I find interesting here? David wasn't her husband. Nabal was. But I would, I would submit to you 
that Abigail was the same way to Nabal as she was to David. Nabal was not a godly man. Nabal probably did not treat her with love and honor and respect the way that he should have. Okay. But she still did what she was supposed to do and put it in the hands of the Lord. And what does God do? Well, let's read on. Now, Abigail went to Nabal. There he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became like stone. Then it happened after about ten days, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Abigail was the wife that she was supposed to be. And because of that, God released her from this ungodly man and brings her instead in the presence of a man that is going to love her the way that she loved Nabal. Take it to the Lord. You're not caused to leave. You're caused to love the way the Lord loves, and you're caused to be able to be the person that God has called you to be. And if you're the guy in the relationship that she's not being who she's supposed to be, you still are supposed to be. And you're going to love her like Christ loved the church. And you're going to serve her. And whether she responds to that or not, one or two things are going to happen according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. She's going to change or she's going to leave. And you're not under the law in such cases. And you're free. You're free at that point, and vice versa. But we're still responsible to do what we are supposed to do. Verse 40, And when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, See ya. <laughs> Here's your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens. Huh. Interesting. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who is from Galam. Now, I have mentioned, I've mentioned several times as we go through 1 Samuel that 1 Samuel is filled with a bunch of Hebrewisms. It's filled with uh, a lot of puns, a play on words, and things like that, to the point where there's no way in the world I'm reading into this, Okay. It just is there. And when you look at this, the story between David and Nabal is very similar to another story in the Bible. It is the story of, um, of for one, of, uh, of Jacob and Laban. Just like David and Nabal are, um, are, are, are from the tribe of Judah, they're both related, so is Jacob and his uncle Laban. Okay, so we look at David and Nabal, and they're related. They're from the same tribe. You look at Laban, uh, Jacob and his uncle Laban. David cared for Nabal's flocks and herds, as did Jacob to his uncle Laban. Neither David or Jacob received adequate compensation for their service. And yet, get this. 
What is Nabal's, Nabal's name backwards? Laban. What? That's just too strange to me not to have been intentional. Somehow, some way. A few other things about Nabal's name we see in the story. On the morning after the feast, it says the wine went out of him. It's interesting because this is the play on words that we see all the time. Is that the word for wine skin, which is being poured into Nabal, is the word nebel. The difference uh, of just one uh, uh, vowel there. And, and it's nebel. And, and so it speaks of the, uh, the thing that was his downfall is what it's inferring there. He, he liked the drink. He liked the merriment of luxury and, and the drinking and the revelry that went around it. And so we see this word wineskin here being nebel. The word heart here, um, that uh, his heart died with him and he became like a stone. The word heart there is leb. That's what the word heart is. It means it's the Hebrew word leb. And the word stone there is the Hebrew word eben. And you put it together and you have leben. And so again, there's all these little play on words through the, 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 the book of First and Second Samuel. It's probably in all three. It is through the whole Old Testament, but we see it a lot in First and Second Samuel. And so this is just many play on words that we, hear, that we have here. Now, here's another thought that's out there. When you look at uh, chapter 25 here, It says in verse 42, So Abigail rose in haste, rode on the donkey, attended by the five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galam. So there's a lot of things here. If, if it's being done in chronological order, it seems like it's more of a summation. There are those who view it and say, No, Saul already gave Michael away. And so that's why he was able to take Abigail. Because we know that according to Deuteronomy 17, 17, when Moses is speaking about what, uh, how kings are supposed to uh, behave, he says this about kings, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. So for a king, they aren't supposed to have a multiplicity of wives. So there's a thought here. The thought is, did David take Abigail, his wife, and then after Abigail became his wife, Saul took Michael, his wife, and gave it, gave her to someone else, thus possibly God saying, you're only supposed to have one wife. That's a possibility. It's a possibility. Or was Michael already given? David knows he doesn't have a wife right now and can now have one wife. But then how quickly does he have two wives? Because we're told here that Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. So he's doing things right now he's not supposed to do. He's not supposed to have a multiplicity of wives. Now we find out later on, once he comes in and uh, is the king of Judah first before he's the king of all Israel, he, he talks to Ishbetheth and he tells him, he says, look, when you come, you need to bring your wife, my wife, Michael, to me. And so he's reunited with Michael again. But when you see what happens after being reunited with Michael, you kind of wonder, why do you want to be with her again? Because the next time she's mentioned is in chapter 6 of Second Samuel, and she's berating him for acting like the fool dancing before 
the Ark of the Covenant. And it says that she was barren the rest of the life. That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.